6. As we continue in our study of the Sermon on the Mount. Is there a roar in there? I don't know. Okay. Anyway, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8 this morning, we're going to look at as we began to take up the subject of prayer, or continue in the subject of prayer, if you will, that we began sort of last week as we looked at verses 1 uh, through 6, when we talked about there what Jesus was saying about hypocrisy and reality. You know, we talked last week about really what is your desire, what is your passion? Is it the glory of God or is it the praise of man? And that's what Jesus was focusing on in those verses 1 through 6 and then looking down also at 16, 17, and 18 when he talked about, you know, when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. Do you do it so that others will notice you and others will say, oh my, what a, what a really holy person you are? Or do you do it because you're coming before the presence of a holy God and your desire is not to get praise from men, not to be recognized by man, but your desire is to come before God and to praise Him and glorify Him and worship Him? It's a very simple question. Why do you do what you do religiously? Why do you do what you do when you come to church on Sunday morning? What is your focus? What is your purpose? What is your desire out of what comes out of this place? That's really what Jesus is talking about. I want us to go back today and look at the part on prayer, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 8, and just deal with that a little bit because prayer is an important part of the Christian life. I hope you know that. I hope you recognize that. I hope you realize that prayer, while it may not be the easiest thing in the world to do, is the most natural thing in the Christian's life. Prayer is, is coming before God and worshiping God. Prayer is coming before God in a two-way conversation, if you will, looking to Him, sharing with Him, talking to Him, and then through His Word, hearing from Him as His Holy Spirit enlightens that Word to you in times of prayer. Prayer is the most important thing, the most natural thing, in many ways, in a believer's life. It, it's, I think it's significant that we come to prayer to talk about it right now as we're coming upon the, the charrette process and coming upon the future of, of our facility and what God is giving us to build over on, on Oakleaf Lane, I think it's significant that for the next several weeks we're going to talk about the seriousness and the importance and the focus of prayer. Because a lot of times our prayers are not as focused as they ought to be. Listen to what Jesus said in these four verses. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you that they have their reward in full. That is, man rewards them. But if you, but you, when you pray, go into your inner room, King James says your closet, close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what you have do, has done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Hear that? Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. We read this morning as a call to worship that passage out of Psalm 139. He knows our rising up and our lying down. He knows our going out and our coming in. He's intimately acquainted with all our ways. 
And your Father knows what you need even before you ask Him. It's amazing how in Christian life, in, in evangelicalism, in Baptist life, we sometimes fall into a, a, what one person called the slipstream of evangelicalism in offering prayers in sort of a robotic manner, a robotic fashion. Now, I asked Scott to pray the uh, off-toward prayer this morning uh, because, as I told the Wednesday night crew, after this sermon, I may not be able to get anybody to pray again. I don't know because of some of the things we'll talk about. But I knew that if I criticized some things, if, if it were a layman praying, they might take it personal, but Scott will just take it and go with it, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. But, but you know, a lot of times in our prayers, we kind of fall into this slipstream. You know, every evangelical prayer you hear just about offered has, has certain elements in it that always show up. You know, the, the word that many times can't ever get it past the uh, evangelical prayer is, Lord, we pray that you would lead, guide, and direct. Lead, guide, and direct. You've heard that. You've heard me say that. I fall in the slipstream sometimes myself. You know, it's, I mean, leading, guiding, and directing. Would you tell me what the difference is in the three words there? Leading is guiding, and guiding is directing, and directing is leading. So it's really all the same word, but we fill in space. It sounds pious. I remember when I was a young boy growing up in East Aboga Baptist Church in East Aboga, Alabama. I remember that every now and then they would ask the youth, to, to usher. And the pastor always called on a youth to pray when the, uh, when the youth were taking up the offering. And I would sit there and I would listen to the deacons as they would pray each week for the offertory prayer. And there was one thing that I kept hearing come up every week, every week, and that was, and Lord, we pray that you will bless the gift and the giver. You know, you hear that all the time. So I got in my mind, now that's what I need to say. That's what makes it an offertory prayer. And so I remember the first time the youth were taking up offering, I was one of the four youth down there taking it up, and Brother Dean looked at me and said, forgive this, I mean, don't call me this in the future, but Billy, would you lead us in the offertory prayer? And I, I almost froze there for a moment, but I prayed, and I prayed, Lord, thank you for whatever, and I don't remember what I said, but when I got through... I forgot to say, and Lord bless the gift and the giver. And I went and took up the offering. I sat down, and I felt like I was a total failure in my prayer life before the congregation because I didn't use the word that obviously was the words that blessed that offering and blessed those who gave it, and I had left them out in the cold. Well, I guarantee you the next time I was called on to pray the offertory prayer, I was ready, and I didn't forget to say, and Lord, bless the gift and the giver. You see, that's just sort of our nomenclature. That's sort of what we talk about. That's what we say. Prayers are important in the Christian life. They're not just important in the Christian life. Prayers are important to all the religions of the world for the most part. If you look at Islam, Islam is very directed in their prayers. Five times a day, they will hear the call. And they, wherever they are, will roll out their prayer cloth and they, or prayer blanket or, or rug and they will lay down on it and face toward Mecca and they will pray. They will pray the same thing. They will say, pray the same words. They will say the repetition over and over. But for them, prayer is an important thing. Somebody once said it would be in our congregation, wouldn't it be good if we took prayer as seriously as the Muslims do? 
The truth of the matter is the Muslims do it because that's their earning their favor with Allah. That's their earning their right to be Muslims. That's their earning the favor that God might take them to paradise someday when they die. It's very works-oriented. The Jews had their own set of, of prayers that they went through in the Old Testament. You can find them at times and, and in the synagogue. And, and they would say the same words over and over and over. And, and they would pray to God, but it was an important part of their ritual. It was an important part of their liturgy when they would come to pray. In our own day, we know that Roman Catholics place a lot of form a lot of emphasis on the formal prayers and, and they're always praying the, the rosary or saying the Hail Marys or our fathers and, and those are, are words that are repeated many times without even thinking about it. And we can criticize the Muslims and we can criticize the Jews and we can criticize the Roman Catholics, but I contend to you that we all have our own little slipstream of, of prayer where we say the same, many times, meaningless repetitions before the Father. Jesus says, don't beat your chest, don't pray out loud just to be heard by man, but also when you pray, don't pray meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. Why? Well, because those Gentiles, they suppose that by repeating themselves and saying it over and over, then they suppose they'll be heard for their many words. One of my favorite Old Testament episodes is over in the book of 2 Kings where Elijah, excuse me, 1 Kings, where Elijah meets on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. And if you recall, they, they go up there in a real challenge. And Elijah says, listen, we're going to decide today if God, who is God? If God be God, he'll show himself. If Baal be God, let him show himself. And he gathered the prophets of Baal around. And he said, listen, we're going to pray to our God. We're going to build an altar. And we're going to ask God, if he will, to just consume that altar. And, and Elijah said, here, you go first. Gave them the opportunity to prove their God was really God. Baal was really God. And so they built the altar and they built it up just right and they laid the sacrifice on it and they began to pray. And they began to cry out with a loud voice, Oh, great Baal, hear us. Oh, great Baal, answer our prayer. And they prayed and they prayed and Baal wasn't doing anything. And so they said the prayers over again. And then they got really serious about their prayer. They took knives and they began to cut themselves and say, Baal, we have cut ourselves for you. Now consume the altar. And this went on for hours. And Elijah even taunted him a little bit and said, well, maybe Baal's asleep. Or maybe he's gone on a journey. And it just made him pray harder. And he said, well, maybe he's occupied. The word in the Hebrew there carries with it the idea of maybe he's in the restroom and just needs to get out of there in order to answer your prayers. But they went on and on and on. And finally, they gave up. The altar was not consumed. It became Elijah's time. Elijah said, let's, let's do a little, uh, evidently in, the, in all their praying, they had kind of torn it down a little bit and messed up. They rebuilt it. They repaired it. They laid the sacrifice there. And then Elijah did something really strange. He said, now go down and, and bring buckets of water. Dig a trench around it and bring buckets of water and pour them over the sacrifice and over the wood of the sacrifice and fill up the trenches all around it. And then Elijah simply approached the sacrifice. He didn't cut himself. He didn't scream. He didn't repeat himself. He just simply said, basically, Lord, in order that they may know that you are God, 
send your fire. And the God who was real, it said, consume the altar and licked up all the water and drained the trench. God heard. Didn't take repetition. Didn't take meaningless words. Didn't take cutting himself and going through all the gyrations that the, the prophets of Baal did. But God merely heard his people, heard his prophet, and he answered his prayer. There, there's a sense in which we need to understand what Jesus is saying here. It's being very, very important in our own life, in our own walk. You know, one of my favorite prayers of, of Baptist prayers is, is the just prayer. You've heard the just prayer before. Lord, we just come before you today and just glad you're here. And we just ask you to be among us, Lord, and ask you to be God because you are God. And we're just glad that you're God. And we just ask you to really show yourself, you know, just as though this word just repeated all through had some kind of spiritual magnitude to the prayer. Jesus said, don't be showy. Don't be like the hypocrite. But rather just come before God simply. You don't have to repeat. You don't have to shout. You don't have to, you don't have to make a scene. Just come before me. And God, your Father, who knows, who hears you, already knows what you need. And then he's going to go into this prayer. You know, it's amazing that Luke tells us in his recount of the same episode, Luke tells us that the disciples first came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. You know, John taught his disciples to pray. We know that the priest and the, and the Pharisees and all them, they teach their disciples to pray. And Lord, you've not taught us how to pray. Lord, Teach us to pray. You get the idea from Luke's encounter of this, Luke's recounting of this. You get the idea that the disciples recognized that prayer was something important in their life. Jonathan Edwards, the great theologian of many in the 1700s in this country, before this country was even a country, Jonathan Edwards wrote a, preached a sermon one time and he said, Prayer... Lack of prayer, the sure mark of the hypocrite. In other words, John Edwards was saying in that long sermon, it would take about three hours to preach it. If I read it to you today, I won't do that. But in that sermon, basically he said, listen, <coughs> excuse me, listen, prayer is to be at the very heart of the Christian experience. Prayer is to be at the very heart of who you are as a believer. Something decided to enter my mouth. Excuse me. He said, the hypocrite talks about prayer. The hypocrite even speaks about how important it is. But the hypocrite never prays. The hypocrite really never honors God in that one-on-one -on -one expression where God is intimately involved in the life of of the believer. See, that's what pride. Prayer is more than just going through motions. <clears throat> prayer is more than just being seen, praying. 
Prayer is entering into the holy of holies with God. Being before Him. Now we pray corporately and that's important. We pray as a body when we come together. We have those times of prayer and someone leads us in those prayers. But it ought to be more than just the one person standing here praying. He is leading us as we think about what he's saying to to the very throne of God. And when we walk out of here, there ought to be other times. Not just the times gathered here, but there ought to be other times throughout the week, throughout the day, where we stop what we're doing. We may do it early in the morning. We may do it late at night. We may do it several times during the day. should do it several times during the day. We may even do it when we're driving our car. If you do it when you're driving your car, please keep your eyes open. But you can pray with your eyes open. And just a time where you just pour out your heart to God and you, you praise Him and you worship Him. We'll see how all that fits as we break down this uh, Lord's Prayer piece by piece over the next several weeks. But, but there's, it's an intimacy with the living God. It's a privilege. When God says, draw near to me, come into my presence... In a unique and a special way. I mean, God is always present. Don't ever forget. Don't ever pray in your prayers. You know, oh Lord, please come. He's here. He'll either be here in blessing or be here in judgment or he'll be here just to say, what in the world are you doing sometimes? But he's here. You don't have to ask him to come. But prayer ought to be that time when our hearts are so in tune to him. When our mind is focusing on not... <clears throat> what our neighbor's doing or what our family's doing or what is going on in the world around us. It's when we just come before Him and worship and praise and think about who He is. Now, we can tell Him our needs. Jesus will talk about that in the Lord's Prayer. There's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, I need this or, Lord, I I desire this. But, you know, a lot of times our prayers become more a counseling session than they do a prayer session. And I don't mean you getting counsel from God. More often our prayers, many times our prayers are us counseling God on what we think He ought to do or or how we think He ought to run His world or, or how we think our life ought to be because He blesses us in such and such a way. Remember, there are a lot of different ways, false purposes of prayer that many people use. Some will talk about prayers being sort of therapeutic or therapy. You know, well, I pray because I can just kind of sit back and relax and clear my mind. and That's more a Buddhist prayer than it is a Christian prayer. You know, I can just sit back and just oh, take a deep breath and breathe, and, and there's this therapeutic expression to it. They, they seek just to feel better and alleviate their fears and alleviate their anxieties. Now, I assure you that when you truly pray, your fears and your anxieties will be alleviated when you come into the presence of the living God. But it's not for therapeutic purposes that you pray. That's a false purpose of prayer. Another purpose of prayer by many people is what we might call manipulation. You know, we think that somehow if we pray the right words and say the right code, then it sort of unlocks God's answers for us. You know, so we, we, we look and we, we listen to certain people pray and we say, oh, they're really a prayer. I'll pray like them and God will do something in my life. And we think that by praying the right code or the right words, we manipulate God into doing what we want God to do. 
or another false reason of prayer is persuasion. You know, we seek to persuade God to do our will, really, rather than His. Jesus is going to say, you know, one of the things we're to pray is, Your will be done, O Lord. That's to be a focus of our prayer. But many times our prayers are more, Lord, here's what my will is, and I would really, really, really like it if you would get in line with my agenda and do what I want. Lord, not your will, but my will be done. The total reverse of what real prayer is. But if you listen to many prayers, that's like the prophets of Baal. They were pleading. They were trying to persuade Baal in their prayers. And many try to do that with God. Another form of false prayer is negotiation. I'm sure none of you have ever done this. But I have. Now, Lord, I'll tell you what I'm going to do if you'll do this. You know, if you'll just do that, Lord, I'll give myself to what... You know, they, they say that's really how Luther, Martin Luther, uh, ended up in the priesthood. That he was running along in the midst of a storm and lightning was striking all around him. And he cried out to St. Anne and said, Oh, St. Anne, save me and I will become a priest. Uh, his father didn't think so highly of that approach to God through St. Anne and thought that maybe he was just scared for, well, he use some rather flowery language to talk about what maybe Luther really experienced that night. But he made a bargain with God. Lord, if you'll save me from this lightning, just just pull me out of the fire here, and I'll become a priest. And he did. He didn't make a very good priest, but he made a great Protestant reformer. But God uses things like that. But, but you know, we, we sometimes try to bargain with God. Lord, I'll do this if you'll do that. Or, or I really want you to do that. We especially do that in times of grief, in times of real need. But all of these are false forms of prayer. All of those are not Christian prayer. All of those fall woefully deficient. Jesus says two things. This is important to see. When you pray, don't try to impress men. Don't do it just to be heard. Don't do it so that when you leave here and you've led the offertory prayer, you've led a prayer in Sunday school, or you've, don't leave where your thoughts were, okay, what are people going to think about me after this prayer? Some of those meaningful prayers are very simple. But prayer will betray what your theology is. Prayer will demonstrate what you really believe as you pray. Don't try to impress men. And secondly, <clears throat> don't, try to, don't pray to try to impress God. He can't be impressed by your prayers. There's no need to try to. So this vain repetition, this over and over repetition, thinking that if you say it enough times, it's, it's almost like the, uh, the, the parable Jesus used to the person who went to the judge's door and just continued to knock and continued to knock. And the judge said, go away, and she continued to knock. And finally, the judge opened the door just because she was persistent. There are things we need to be persistent in prayer about. But not because... We think we have to impress God or convince God or talk God into it. Real prayer, as we will see as Jesus develops this, is not a lot of words. It's not a lot of flowery language. But it's understanding the essence of prayer 
is coming into a holy, unique, and special presence of God. As father and as child. I don't think when you go into the, to talk to your dad, or when you were younger, when you're going to talk to your dad, you, you say, okay, I've got to talk to dad about something, and so I've <clears throat> got to change my language. Oh, Father, thou art great, and, and thou knowest me. No, you, you know, it's funny how sometimes in our prayers, we who talk normal every day, when we start praying, we revert back to King James English of the 1600s. That's not a, you know, I'm, I'm not being critical if you do that necessarily, but I'm saying that's not a special prayer language. Prayer is just saying, Lord, you are my Lord. Lord, you are God. Lord, you are my Father, and I come before you to worship you, and I come before you to commune with you, and I come before you to talk to you. Be a part of your life and you to be a part of my life. Prayer is that time where I draw strength from you, Father, because you are the source of all strength. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm talking about? It's not how you do it. It's not where you do it. It's doing it in spirit and truth. It's doing it according to to His Word. We'll talk more about that in days to come. Prayer is intimacy with the living God. Prayer is an intimacy with God that He has granted to us that we need to see as important to life as breathing is. As much a part of our spiritual life as breathing is a part of our physical life. Bowing before Him. Communing with Him. Why don't we just pray? Let's pray together. <clears throat> holy. Holy. You're my father. And Lord, I'm your adopted child. And I'm adopted because you chose me and brought me into your family. And Lord, that adoption is irrevocable. That adoption is, is forever. Wow. Father, it's good to recognize that. It's good to know who you are. And sometimes, Lord, I just like to... I like to just re repeat that. And think about your holiness, your love, your compassion, your grace. 
how it's filled my life and changed my life. Father, I'm grateful that you know what my needs are before I tell you. I'm grateful for that because, Lord, I really don't know what my needs are. Many times I know what my wants are. And I know that many times, Lord, those are in contrast with what your will is. But I know know that you know what my needs are. And Lord, I, I ask you to help me learn those needs and help me submit to those needs. And accept your provision of those needs in ways that sometimes I overlook. Father, I pray for our church. As we enter into this time of the charrette process, as we enter into this time of of looking to the future. Lord, we need your guidance. We need we need your wisdom. And ask you to give it in these days to come. Show us what your plan is, Lord, because we know that we can plan our steps, but it's you that directs the way. Help us, Lord to submit to your will in every way. Now, Father, we pray for men and women here this morning that may not know you. And they may not understand prayer at all because they have no intimate relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father, your Holy Spirit would move in their hearts right now and draw them to Christ. Pray for others, Lord, who maybe have just wandered, just slipped away, you're calling them back to yourself. Father, show, show your power, show your glory in their lives this day. Perhaps others you're leading to be a part of our church family, Lord. and They need to come to that point of making a covenant relationship, a covenant commitment to this body. You work in their lives today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.